Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. here with the Action Lamp Podcast for the third week in May 2014, and uh, dust has finally settled from all of our free comic book day doings and all of our events that we had. We'll talk a little bit about, more about that in the news. we got a lot of great stuff coming up, a lot of cool stuff in the pipe to talk about, um, a lot of uh, great new projects, a lot of new books to, to discuss and their new previews, and we're going to cap it all off with an interview with Mr. Brandon Barrows. The, uh, the mastermind behind uh, Jack Hammer here in Action Lab. Also a novelist and uh, another writer of renown on the outside the comic sphere. So it's, it was an interesting conversation. But right now, because there's a lot to cover, let's just go right into the news. Well, as I said, we're, we're still cleaning up all the confetti and dust from Free Comic Book Day. Uh, it was a, a big success here for uh, for everyone here in Action Lab. We got a lot of um, great feedback on our books, both on the uh, the Skyward and uh, Midnight Tiger double feature that we had on the Action Lab side, and our Danger Zone offering of M Theory and Zombie Tram. You can see some of those reviews in our Twitter feed if you follow us on Twitter at Action Lab or at Action Lab Danger. Um, to get some of the uh, the fan response. We had a lot of great. Uh, um, events with a lot of our action lab talent signing and drawing and sketching and pressing the flesh and meeting the fans and uh, we had some really big events in, in the North Carolina area both at Heroes are Hard to Find and um, at Ultimate Comics as well um, we've posted some of those photos up on our Twitter feed and uh, if you were able to come out and see us I uh, hope you had a good time and uh, we uh, we got got the word out on action lab got a lot of comics out there and a lot of people excited about our uh, what we have to offer so there was a Rousing success all the way around. So, thanks to everyone who made it so. And we have a big announcement uh, that I'm going to be breaking here um, on the podcast. We, we mentioned it to some of our followers on Facebook. So, if you follow us on Facebook, this might be old news to you. But the immensely talented Mr. Martheus Wade, uh, he of uh, Jetta, Tales of the Hashigawa, which has been available from Action Lab for a while. Um, just an incredibly talented artist. If, if you don't know his work, look up uh, The Art of Martheus Wade on Google. Um, he also has a, a deviant art uh, site. Uh, an astounding artist, great, great storyteller, a visual storyteller. He is going to be gracing Action Lab with a six-part miniseries called Shinobi Ninja Princess. Um, an interesting twist on the old, uh, you know, um, apprentice, ninja apprentice story that we've seen in things like Naruto and other other things. Um, and Martheus Wade is a really 
as I said, a really great visual storyteller. So we're very excited. Uh, so far, we've only seen the cover of the first book. Uh, we'll have more to say in the next podcast because we'll be going over what's offered in the next previews. But uh, congratulations to Martheus, and thank you uh, for, for joining us here in the lab with your latest IP. Who says comics aren't for kids anymore? Well, we don't. We certainly don't. We always have had a lot of all-ages comics um, with a lot of um, you know good positive messages and, and good you know, great art and good storytelling to boot. Um, one of our most popular all-ages um, books, of course, is Skyward. And I have a double whammy here of news for that. First of all, if you go to our um, Twitter feed or if you go to comicsaregreat.com and look up the Kids Comics Revolution Awards for 2014, um, Skyward has been nominated in quite a few categories. Uh, favorite comic book series, uh, original creator owned, favorite cartoonist or author. You have kids who love Skyward, and I know um, when my kids are old enough to read it, they will be digging in on it, I'm sure. Um, they can go to vote at comicsaregreat.com slash kcrawards14, or as I said, the link is in our Twitter feed. I'll be running it there um, until the contest is over. Um, just if you could come on by and have your kids vote for Skyward uh, for the comic they love, then that would be great. Um, it's a it's a kids it's a it's supposed to, it's designed to be an awards uh, ceremony by kids for kids, and it's being uh, thrown together by Chris Duffy from Nickelodeon Magazine and the Ann Arbor District Library, uh, Jersey Draws, and uh, and Dave Roman from KCR Kids Comics Revolution. It's it's a really cool um, by kids for kids contest. And uh, Skyward is, re is really cool to be uh, nominated and noticed um, by uh, the Kids Comic Revolution Awards. And uh, by all means, if you're a kid, or if you know a kid who loves Skyward, have them vote for for us. And that, that would be a, a great uh, feather in, in our cap. And speaking of Skyward, um, I, mentioned, I think I mentioned this on the past podcast, um, but for a limited time only, we offered in the previous uh, previews um, Skyward number 10, for a ridiculously low price of $0.99, cents because it's a jumping-on point. It's the, the first new issue after the, the culmination of the Battle of Three Rivers storyline. It's a good jumping-on point for new readers. It's a great way to get the book out there and get it known. Um, we are extending that offer. If you talk to your uh, LCS, they can contact previews and still get Skyward number 10 for $0.99 cents for you. Please do it. It's worth, uh, you know, it's worth three times that Um which is what we normally charge. Um, the the art of the storytelling is great. It's um, it's an all ages book, but not but by no means just for kids. It's just good all around art and storytelling. Um, Jeremy Dale's been knocking out of the park, park with every single issue. The Battle of Three Rivers was a great storyline, and this is the beginning of a brand new storyline. So by all means, jump in on the ground floor. Ask your LCS to order Skyward number ten. It's only ninety nine cents, and we're going to be extending that offer for unlimited time. So please. Jump on that bandwagon, get on the boat with the rest of us who are digging the skyward. And that about does it for our news segment right now. Now we're going to go into uh, what's in previews this month. And up for pre-orders from Action Lab in the May issue of previews. Let's see. Issue that's about to be replaced next week with the new June issue of previews. So uh, go ahead and order these as soon as you can. The uh, the Fracture Trade Paperback Vice and Virtue, written by Sean Gabbard and Chad Ciccone. Well, It's a rare bird in the world of comics. It's an original superhero story. And I know 
you've probably rolled, you probably rolled your eyes to hear that phrase, but it really is. It's it's a, a superhero story that really hasn't been told in this way before. Um, and here we have the entire first story arc, uh, issues one through four, at a uh, fracture volume two, Vice and Virtue trade paperback. Another trade paperback that we'll be offering uh, in the May that we're offering now in the May pre-order in the May previous is Jackhammer Volume One Political Science by Brandon Barrows, who I'll be interviewing later on the show, and uh, Ionic, um, the artist for the book. And uh, this is a really cool mix of uh, like twenty-four style intrigue with uh, superpowers, but on, uh, kind of on the down low. Like there are people with powers, but they aren't um, you know they aren't wearing spandex and jumping from buildings. Um, the ones that are, are villains, and uh, we talk about some of the themes and, and, and uh, interesting takes that he brings to the story, um, that Brandon uh, brings to the story. Um, Jack Hammer is, is definitely a unique story. If you're into Powers, one of the book Powers by Bendis and Aiming, or if you uh, enjoy 24 and would like to see a, you know, maybe a super noir with a you know, dash of that kind of intrigue, then I definitely recommend Jack Hammer to you. This is the trade paperback collecting the first four issues. Um, the entire first story arc, Political Science. Also available in this issue previews, we are proud to offer Midnight Tiger Number 1 by Dwayne Feenstra and the creator and artist Ray Anthony Height. Um, this is a really cool take on the teen superhero. This is the most original teen superhero book I've read since Invincible. It's kind of got that flavor. It's like got... You know, the, some of the the tropes of the teen superhero book, but subverted and from a different point of view. And uh, it's a really interesting read. It's a, it's a good book. If you saw the Free Comic Book Day uh, issue that we put out, it, half of it was devoted to Midnight Tiger. Um, it's definitely, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a fresh take on the teen hero um, idea. And uh, really, you know, the art is just stellar. Uh, if you don't know Anthony Heights' work, you should really look it up online. He's a really, really talented guy, great visual storyteller. And Midnight Tiger number one, we couldn't be more proud and pleased to, to have it here at Action Lab. And that's also available in previews this month. And finally, we have Skyward 11. What can I say about Skyward? I haven't already. Great action adventure, all ages tale, um, stellar art. This um, issue is, um, you can get it with the regular cover by Jeremy Dale or a variant cover by Craig Rousseau, which is also very nice continuation um after in the aftermath of the uh, the big uh, battle of three rivers storyline from skyward it is again it's just high fantasy and don't let you know all ages scare you away just because it's an all ages book doesn't mean it's written you know on a children's level it, there's a lot of really good storytelling there just solid art and great visual storytelling and great style so skyward 11 is also available in previews this may and on the Action Lab Danger Zone side, we have Bo Plushy Gangston Number 4 by Pavel Balabanov. Uh, he's a, a video game artist from uh, from Russia, and he is astounding. I know the, the premise of this is wild and off the chain. Basically, the soul of a hardcore gangster gets trapped in a teddy bear. and uh, But where he takes the story from there is just um, incredible and a lot more thoughtful and, and deep than you would think from a um, comic called Bo Plushy Gangsta. And the, the visual style that he brings to the book is incredible. And uh, it's just, he, he's definitely a, um, a writer, a visual writer and artist you're going to be hearing a lot of about in the future. I double dog dare you to check this book out and not, not tell me that, that it kind of blows you away in one way or another. Bo Plushy Gangster number four. Next we have Dry Spell number two by 
Ken Kreckler. It's about a, a guy in a world you know, of people with abilities and, and, and powers beyond him who thinks he's normal, thinks he's not very special, but then finds out that he might have something special to him after all, as he moves in different stratas in that kind of society. It's really um, visually striking book. Um, really, really good stuff. Dry Spell, number two, by Ken Crackley. And finally, our feature book um, for the month is Zombie Tram, number one. Now, this is the ongoing series. It'll be a monthly um, from Action Lab Danger Zone. And uh, it's the first time Zombie Tramp has ever been in a monthly. Um, it's being written by Dan Mendoza and drawn by uh, artist T.M. Chu. And uh, Jason Martin is pretty much doing everything else in the book, lettering, coloring, editing, um, helping with the writing. Um, if you listened to our last episode, you um, heard an interview with all three of them talking about Zombie Tramp. This issue of Zombie Tramp number one has five different variant covers. Two of them are by T.M. Chu. One is a safe-for-work cover, and one is a not-safe-for-work cover. Then there's another cover by Jerry Gaylord. There's also a variant cover by Josh Howard, and then also a retailer incentive cover by Jamal Eigel. Uh, so it's five different variant covers for this launch. Uh, Zombie Tramp number one. Um, our preview uh, in our free comic book day issue, um, according to Bleeding Cool, has already become a collector's item and is already showing up for 10 to $12 on eBay. Um, Zombie Tramp is a property with a lot of heat around it right now. It's very uh, becoming very popular. It's moving from cult following to, to mainstream. And uh, you definitely want, if you're into the whole zombie genre, if you kind of have that over-the-top sense of humor, then uh, by all means check it out. It's available in the May previews. Zombie Tramp number one. And now it's time to go on the racks. On the racks this week, uh, we have a few things going on. Again, we have Skyward. came out today as, as we're recording um, the beginning of the Battle of the Three Rivers story that I alluded to earlier in Skyward number seven. Not only available with the Jeremy Dale cover, but also a really striking uh, film noto cover. If you follow us on, fa- on um, Facebook or on Twitter, you can see the art from this film noto cover. If you're familiar with film noto's art, that should be all the recommendation that you would need to check it out because it is astounding. Um, so on the racks today, Skyward number seven. Uh, from last week, we have the Prince, Princeless Short Stories trade paperback, also still on the shelves. Uh, it's a collection of all of the one-shot short stories from Princeless. If you know Princeless, you know the franchise, and there should be enough incentive right there for you to check it out. Also hitting the racks this week from Action Lab Danger Side, Mass Insanity of the Itty Bitty Bunnies, in Rainbow Pixie Candyland, number one. And there's nothing I could really say that would prepare you for this, other than if you if you like the Happy Tree Friends, or Ren and Stimpy, or Invader Zim, or South Park, or humor that has no boundary whatsoever, that doesn't know, uh, doesn't recognize a limit of good taste anywhere, um, then the Itty Bitty Bunnies in Rainbow Pixie Candyland is right up your alley. You should definitely check it out. Um, issue number one is on the racks right now as we speak. Uh, it's insane. It is something I can't. I can't even go into too great a detail without getting this podcast marked explicit by iTunes. So that should tell you something there. Um, belying the the cutesy name that it has, it's uh, it's really uh, quite out there. So the itty bitty bunnies in Rainbow Pixie Candyland number one 
is also on the racks this week. Okay, great. And as I mentioned before, one of the uh, offerings we have in previews for the month of May is uh, the Jackhammer Trade Paperback by Brandon Barrows and Ionic. And I had the pleasure of speaking to Mr. Barrows about Jackhammer, about writing in general, and about comics in general, and a lot of really good conversation. So let's just go ahead to that interview right now. My distinct pleasure this evening to talk to uh, writer, author, and scrivener uh, Brandon Barrows of uh, Jackhammer fame from Action Lab. How are you tonight, Brandon? Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, I like to start all of our everybody I interview on the podcast off with the first question, if you don't mind. Uh, the same uh, uh, across everyone. It seems like everyone involved in Action Lab really has comics like almost ingrained in their DNA. Like they really enjoy the medium just as a medium of itself. Um, what what what's your seminal experience with comics? I mean, where do you come from? I mean, what was the first comic you read, or what really was the comic that made you fall in love with the medium? I have been reading comics before I could ever read. One of my very earliest memories, uh, I couldn't have been more than two and a half or three, was my dad taking me to the corner store and letting me pick out a comic book because we were going on a long car trip and uh, he wanted something to keep me occupied. Um, I think the first comic I remember buying on my own was an issue of Spectacular Spider-Man sometime in the early 80s. I don't know the number, but... uh, it's that really great cover I'm sure everybody's seen with the spot uh, pummeling Spider-Man with his fists coming out of all these different holes. Oh, right. That, I think, is what really made me fall in love with comics because um, that image has just been ingrained in my, in my brain for more than 30 years. Uh, it's just that, that sense of wonder from when I, when I was a little kid has just kind of stuck with me. That's awesome. Um, it's awesome that you're still in touch with that kind of feeling, too. Um, let's get a little more granular now on everything. Let's talk about Jackhammer. I, I find it, uh, it's a really interesting um, uh, blend of like a lot of different uh, things that I like. I mean, there's a little bit of powers there. There's a little bit of 24 in there. There's a little bit of, there's a lot of like noir flavoring, you know, the the hard-boiled private eye who's, you know, the, the person he's tailing is turns up dead. I mean, classic mm-hmm. noir set up there. Um, are are, are did you come to the story and then all these things kind of came out of it, or did you just write the story to kind of tailor it to things you enjoyed? Well, yes and no. Um, I do love comics, but honestly, I grew out of superheroes a long time ago. Um, I still like the concept of, you know, the powers and, you know, the the villains and heroes and stuff like that. But I, I just, I grew out of the two guys in spandex punching each other that the big two have been putting out month after month after month for 70 some odd years. I think a lot of people um, agree. I think a lot of people agree with you on that too. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad because it's time yeah. for the industry to mature. You know what I no mean? Doubt. No doubt. But you know, I, I like the, I like the concept of heroes, but I'm a big, big fan of noir and private investigators. Um, Max Allen Collins, the, you know, the granddaddy of living mystery writers is my favorite novelist of all time. I wanted to do something that paid homage to the superhero, but was more mature. I didn't want to go full P.I. noir because there's so much great stuff out there in comics. Um, I didn't 
want to compete with that. And at the same time, I, I kind of wanted to do something that hadn't really been done because people have tried to blend noir and heroes, but it's usually more towards it's a gritty superhero comic. It's not really a blend of noir and heroes. Yeah, and you know it's real. I mean? it's, yeah, it's very it's very easy to fall into that trope too. After after you know Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen in the eighties, it seemed like the the lesson everybody took from those was to go grim and gritty and everything like that. And it's very easy to 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 you know to fall into that trap that you know we've seen so many times before. But I didn't really find that with Jack Hammer. It had a lot more depth, I thought, um, especially the well, story and I, the characterization. I appreciate that because really what I wanted to do was I wanted to write a mystery, a detective story that had those elements. But it's it's a very fine line that I like to think that I uh, you know we found that balance because um, it, it's very tempting, like you said, to go you know full gritty hero, and I didn't want to do that. One of the things that I knew I had to do, or I wanted to do, excuse me, was no costumes no stupid code names, and that's one of the things that, um, that's one of the reasons why I had the villains still have these kind of code names that they've chosen for themselves, not really because it's like we're supervillain type thing, but because they're, they're more actively rejecting society, like they choose to, they choose to do this thing, you know, I'm not going to go by the name that, you know, your society gave me, I'm picking this name for myself. I'm not going to um, use my slave names. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, you know, um, and one of the things that I touched on a little bit in the first few issues of Jackhammer that we go into a little bit more later on down the road is, um, you know, have, having these powers is illegal in this world. Um, you know, right in the first few pages, Jack flashes his, you know, government-issued identity card. So, you know, these villains that are living under the radar, it's a conscious choice. They have chosen... Um, they have chosen to, you know, go against um, what sort of much for going against these laws just by being who they are, and their villains, maybe because they enjoy the maybe because they enjoy the crime and the mayhem, but also because they just don't want to bow to, um, you know, the man, if you will, and that's one of the things that I tried to get across in uh, the later issues of the first uh, Jack Hammer storyline is that at least some of them believe that they are striking a blow for, you know, the rights of, of powered humans everywhere. Um, you know, that's that's how the Black Smile has looped these other guys into his operation. It's, he's, you know, he's got them convinced that he is going to make a better world for, you know, powereds and non-powereds uh, alike. And, you know, Jack, of course, just sees through that. And, you know, I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't read uh, – the, the latest issue, but he kind of says, you know, that that's BS. This is all about you. I, I can't remember who said it, but there's that great quote that the best villains are the heroes in their own stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they think they're the hero. They don't think they're. I mean, look at. I mean, I don't know. Magneto is a good example, or you know, I mean, they they are in their minds they're they're the hero, uh, but they're yeah, actually, exactly. And yeah. and the black smile is not really the hero in his own mind. He he loves the mayhem. He loves. He loves being, you know, the bad guy, but he's convinced all these other, um, you know, fringe superhumans that, you know, he's the hero. He's the guy you want to follow. Forget the government who's telling you that, you know, you're wrong just because you're different. Hold on one second, please. I'm sorry to interrupt here. Oh, not a problem. Absolutely. Um, yep. So so for those who haven't read the book or haven't followed along like you and I have, uh, give me the elevator pitch for Jack Hammer, you know, 200 words or less. 
Uh, well, it's a world that's identical to our own, except superhumans are real. Uh, there's just a very small number of them. Jack McGriskin is a private investigator and former superhuman, uh, excuse me, former superhero, who is hired to find a missing person. Finds him immediately, but he's dead. And when he passes that information along to his employer and vows to get to the bottom of that, they kind of go, hey, thank you very much. No need to uh, trouble yourself further. Here's your money. Have a nice life. So like any good private eye, he kind of scratches his head and goes, well, what's going on here? Obviously, this is something I'm not going to back down from. Um, and that's when the real mystery begins. Nice. I um I I know I was really I I was a big uh, fan of uh, Powers when it first came out and it kind of at first I thought Jack Hammer was kind of or Jack Hammer was kind of a you know a different take on that but then you know the the political intrigue came in that kind of had that twenty four flavor and then the you know the um the you know like you're saying the the villains who actually think they're you know they're striking a blow for themselves I and mean, you had a lot of cool uh, you know a lot of you know balls in the air as it were. Um, do you have more plans for this character in this world beyond this first trade uh, that we're talking, we're going to be promoting tonight? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. In fact, um, the fifth issue of the series I think will be in the July previews, the same month that uh, the trade comes out. Um, Ionic and I have uh, the fir- have two more issues beyond those first two done. Actually, those first four done, and then I have I think four more written. Uh, so he's going to dive into issue seven just as soon as uh, we're ready to get that going. So it will end up being like an evergreen for you. It's a story that you can continue to tell and add arcs to as you go along, or or does uh, it have I a definite so, end yeah. coming up? I do not have a definite end. It's one of those. It's one of those things that I have an end in mind for Jack if it comes to that, but it's not something I need to do anytime soon. Um, I mean, there's there's hundreds of hundreds of different stories that could be told in this world. Um, I mean, you could you could tell as many stories in Jack's world as you could tell in ours, because it literally is our world with the addition of uh, you know this small number of superhumans. And Jack is a character that that I really enjoy, that I really identify with. So I'm not ready to part with him anytime soon. Uh, just off the top of my just off the top of my head, quick question. Uh, dream casting for Jack McGriskin in the Jack Hammer movie. Who do you go to? I have been thinking about this for years, and I cannot come up with anybody that I think would be perfect. Um, somebody suggested once Bruce Willis, and I love Bruce Willis, but I think he might be a little bit too cliched as an actor at this point. You know what I mean? Um, because he plays so many of those grizzled, older, tough guy characters. Um you know, not that I would be upset if somebody cast him, but that is a question that I have been thinking about for a really long time, and I just don't know who my dream casting for that would be. In fact, if you have any suggestions, I'd be happy to hear it. Uh, I would have said Michael Ironside maybe 10 or 20 years ago. Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, or maybe Ron Perlman. They oh, both Ron the, Perlman. They both yeah, have that he... old grizzled, uh, you know, badass uh, thing going on so i i do like ron perlman that's another one i had to think about but i think he's got a little bit of the same i think i have a little bit of the same objection that i would to bruce willis is that he's played so many of those characters yeah right that i might like i might like to see a, a relatively fresh face um you know somebody who hasn't played too many of those roles in that uh in the role of jack 
Well, hopefully that will be a problem you have to solve sometime in the future, right? <laughs> You, uh, you never know. I actually did get a call from Paramount Pictures a while back, but it was kind of a, "Hey, is this available? We'll call you if you're interested. We'll call you again if we're interested." But right, I guess they weren't because I never heard back again. We'll, <laughs> well, there's so many regime changes in the studios in Hollywood. I mean, I'm sure whoever had you called was probably fired within a week or two and had all new <laughs> staff in there. You that know? could that could be. I talked to a friend of a friend who used to work there, and she said, uh, you know, it was probably the assistant to somebody's assistant who just had a list of people to call. So, wow. uh, she also said though, you know, if, if Hollywood is really interested, they'll be at your door again. So fingers crossed. Now I'm not, I, before reading Jack Hammer, I'd never really uh, seen the work of Ionic. And I think it's a really good fit for your book. Um, a lot of, oh, I don't yeah, know. If, I was really lucky to get him. I don't know if you do, if you write full script, including points of view and like directors, uh, you know, uh, directions and things like that. But I mean, his art, um, you know, with, with your, uh, just seems to fit the tone of your story very well. Well, you know, it's actually the first comic he's ever done. Um, he is a professional artist. Uh, he works in the video game industry. Um, but when I was looking for an artist for Jack Hammer, um, I went to a website called conceptart.org where people post their samples and what kind, of, what kind of work they're looking for. And his posting was really old, like nearly a year old at that point. Had no responses to it. He only had a handful of, of images up, but he basically said, hey, guys, I'm a professional artist. I, I've never done comics. Uh, I'd be interested in, in getting into that. And I figured, well, you know, he must have had hundreds of emails. But I shot him an email, and he said, hey, what would you have in mind? I'd love, to, I, you know, I'd love to talk about it. And, you know, that was that. That's awesome. I mean, I know on Ionic and also uh, Pavel Balabama, who does Bo Plushy for um, Action Lab, comes from that uh, you know, video game background. And that's a lot of storyboarding. That's a lot of drawings. It's almost like as intensive as old pen and ink animation used to be back in the day. So it's a yeah, super absolutely. good training ground, you know. Absolutely, yeah. It really get, it really gives him that kind of uh, um, the feel for what you know you need to do for for comic art because there's a lot of great artists out there that they want to get into comics and their stuff just isn't very good because they don't have a feel for it. He had a feel for it immediately. I mean, plus there are a lot of people that can grow, draw you know great poses or you know like you know heroic figures standing up, but you know find someone who can draw a realistic looking brownstone or you know, a car in context or, you know, normal looking people or, you know, oh, even, people in, even people in motion. I see a lot of guys who just, you know, they emulate Jim Lee or they emulate some other artist, but and all their, you know, everything they have, it just looks too posed and too, um, I, don't, I don't even want to say refined. It just looks too rarefied, I guess would be the right word. It doesn't look Yeah, it, it's static. There's no life to it. Mm -hmm. I took an art course many years ago and the teacher, the teacher had, uh, a real interest in comics, and he, he said to the class, you know, there's so many people out there that practice drawing masks, they can draw gorgeous, perfect-looking masks, they can draw Batman like nobody's business, but they can't draw a face. They have no idea how to draw an unadorned human face, because they spend so, many, so much time practicing drawing people in costume. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. Um, so I what know, but, you know, I was really lucky, I was really lucky to, to hook up with Ionic, and, uh, you know, for anybody out there that likes his art on, on Jack Hammer, we also did a science fiction graphic novel called Voyaga um, that's out there as well. So if you want more if you want more Ionic art immediately, that's always available. So what other writing projects do you have in the fire right now? What else do you have going on? Um, I'm working on a graphic novel uh, with a buddy of mine named Kurt Belcher. Uh, we're both big H.P. Lovecraft fans, so we decided we were going to adapt uh, one of his, uh, his novellas that, as far as we know, has never been done in comics called The Color Out of Space. 
Uh, we're about half done now, and we're going to start looking for a publisher for that soon. Um, I've That's also pretty got, awesome. Uh, I, I always love to see different takes on Lovecraft in, in graphic novel form, just because, I mean, his work uh, lends itself to like so, so much, you know, uh, so bizarre description. You know what I mean? It just allows an artist to really run free. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that people get, get caught up in on Lovecraft is, is the monsters and the aliens and the demons. And unfortunately, a lot of people that have not read the original Lovecraft stuff don't realize that that's not the focus of most stories. The, sto- the focus is the people, uh, you know, this kind of, this kind of uh, cosmic dread that they're experiencing. And that's one of the reasons we picked the color out of space is because you don't see a monster per se really ever. And the weird stuff happens at the very end, but the majority of the story is the, these weird changes that these people are going through that they don't know how to explain. They don't know. They don't know how to handle it. So everybody just kind of kind of ignores it, while things just get weirder and weirder and weirder. Um, and Kurt has a little bit of an unusual style, but it's absolutely perfect uh, for this this sort of uh, Lovecraft adaptation. So I, I can't wait until people can uh, can see that. Um, other than that, I've got a couple other comic irons in the fire that I can't really talk about yet. Um, I do have a prose book out, um, sort of uh, a collection of Lovecraftian weird tales that I wrote called The Altar in the Hills. So if anybody's interested in uh, some of my non-comics work, uh, that's, you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all that stuff. Check, uh, check that out. Um, and absolutely let me know what you think about it because I always love to hear what, uh, what people think of my stuff outside of comics because it seems like a lot of people don't realize I do anything else. It sounds like you have a lot going on there, sir. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity. It's it's been a great chat. The uh, the author's been Brandon Burrows and our bar. I'm sorry, Brandon Barrows. It's been a long day. <laughs> and the book. Uh, <laughs> That's from, okay. I hear you. Yeah, Brandon Barrows and uh, Jackhammer Volume One: Political Science is available in your July previews catalog, and the Jack Jackhammer Number One for the next miniseries is also available in the same previews. Definitely check it out if you're a fan of 24, if you're a fan of Powers, uh, hard-boiled crime mixed with uh, super noir, I guess, would be a good way to put it. Um, thanks a lot for the talk, man. Appreciate it. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot to Brandon Barrows for talking to me about uh, Jack Hammer and some of his other writing projects. Uh, not only is the trade paperback available in the May previews catalog, but the uh, the first issue of the next Jack Hammer tale will be available in next month's previews, which we will be talking about on the next episode of the podcast. And I hope to see you then. Thank you for joining us for the Action Lab podcast for the second half of May. And uh, checking you out in the first half of June. Can't remember anything at all Flame trees line the street Thank you.
Have you ever heard about the Higgs boson blues? I'm going down to Geneva, baby.
as the simulated rainy season begins she curses the queue at the zulus and moves on to amazonia and cries with the dolphin Best girl. 